<laughs> okay, okay. Oh god. Okay. We'll get, we'll get it under control. We'll get it under control. Anyway, okay. Hi Sam, how are you? Oh my god, I want to help you. What did you think that? Hello Sam, how are you? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Hi Sam, how are you today? Hi Veer, I'm nicely recovering from a hangover like recovered like i've got my energy I mean, back today yeah cuz your hangover was last night cuz you got shit faced in the middle of the day it was a boozy lunch what did you expect me to do to be honest it was a I mean, great lunch the food to, was to fantastic. be honest you didn't do anything different from what i would do so yeah uh, <laughs> you are the pot to my kettle okay anyway Um so before we get on to our very very exciting guest we thought we could take a little bit of time considering that this we started this podcast because of how much we love podcasts to rat off a list of six of our favorite podcasts so three of Sam's three of mine and do you want to just get started Okay so the first one on my list is called um it's actually one of the first few podcasts I started listening to It's called things you can't ask your mom. It's Wait, I have a question. Sorry, yes. before sorry, sorry, sorry. Before we get started, what do you remember what the first thing that got you into into listening to podcast was? Like what was the first podcast? Yeah, so like initially I had the podcast app whatever on my yeah. that iPod Touch and stuff, but you know, I ended up listening to it, right? Yeah. Nobody actually tells you how to use that app. <laughs> and um so I follow these two like content creators on Instagram and they have um they have their own podcast and it's called things you can't ask your mom mm-hmm. and i i mean i've been listening from the first season i think they are on their third one now i want to say um so it's hosted by lizzy hatfield and lindsay holland so lizzy and lindsay and it's also coming out as a book this year so they've kind of taken everything that they've sort of learned and spoken about over the last 3 seasons and they've kind of made yeah. a book about they've put it into a, a book, book about podcasting like a book about no 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 just just the kind of content they've been putting through those got podcasts. it got it and like honestly it just looks so good i can't wait and the thing is it doesn't ship i don't think it ships to india right now so i just can't wait to get my hands on it in the near future <laughs> so what they do is they chat through some of the topics that you know so not everybody is comfortable talking to their parents about or you know just okay. others in general um and it's you know it's so strange because there've been times where i've just like wept and there've been times where i'm like sitting on a train and like shoulder shaky laughing because they're so funny and they like i think in the more recent seasons they've started taking questions from followers and then they also chat through like their experiences with like you know things that people don't talk to you about you know like relationships breakups okay beliefs, but like yeah give me some examples like they had one They had one episode just on sex and like we know what the the lack of sex education is in India. Yeah. And or anywhere I mean in most places to be honest. Yeah, but I mean it might be a little bit worse off here but yeah. So, you know, so there's one about that. There's one where um they talk about what it's like to go on vacation with your friends for the first time and like all the antics that actually happen cuz like Oh my god. As adults you're away from <laughs> civilization. <laughs> authority <laughs> yeah authority it's quite funny it is a lot of british humor 
yeah. so you you kind of have to have a little bit of understanding of that to be able to enjoy the podcast it's not i mean but on the flip side i wouldn't say that if you don't understand british humor you won't understand this podcast there's nothing of the sort it's really like listening to a conversation between three friends you lindsay and lizzy which i think is the most sort of i feel like so many podcasts work that way because it does feel like you're talking yeah. to i mean honestly one time i was delaying a story to my brother and i was like oh my god like i heard the funniest thing yesterday mm. like you know from a friend of mine and and my brother was just like was it actually a friend of yours or were you <laughs> listening to a podcast and i'm like fuck Both. all the way off <laughs> <laughs> okay what's on your list okay so the first on my list is a podcast called this might get weird which sam definitely knows because i feel like i send like her I send audio clippings on a weekly basis. Yeah, I mean, and some of them are really nice, and then like hilarious. But then some, some of them, them are, are just, just random. Just forget random. Some are just scarring things I don't need to listen to when I checked my phone first thing <laughs> when I'm walking up. Um. Okay. No. So it's hosted by Grace Helbig and Memory Hart. Who, if anyone sort of was around the YouTube sort of landscape in twenty. 20- 2013 2014 and you sort of followed that original crowd of youtubers um you would know the names grace halbig and namely heart um so i've i've noted down what that little thing is so it's grace and mainly talk nonsense common sense and make jokes at their own expense so it's really just them discussing what happened in the last week and i don't understand how their weeks are so much more exciting than mine yeah they, because, i don't know what they spend their weeks doing by the way Yeah so so I have a few examples there's like how the cheesecake factory shamed grace at some point um <clears throat> maybe often runs into like a celebrity dog influencer um there's but my favorite is maybe getting KFC updates from a woman in Costa Rica but why so her email for some reason has been linked to some random woman who is odd, a random person who is ordering KFC at really odd hours in the night at Costa Rica and it's not like she's being billed for it she's just getting mm. the receipts so mainly more than anything is just like is this person okay because okay. <laughs> why are they ordering so much KFC at like some like 2 in the morning or something um but yeah no can't recommend it highly enough i often find myself just wheezing while working <laughs> um okay give me a second Um okay so this is one I've talked about before on our podcast it's called the internet set so it's hosted by four comedians um Adar Malik Varun Thakur Neville Shah Kautik Srivastava and they pick a topic and they find and this is their words okay random interesting shocking weird absurd facts stats trivia and their personal stories and they talk about it it's is one you just have to watch i will recommend two episodes uh and these are my favorites there's one where they discuss bollywood stereotypes and i've seen it multiple times i laugh every <laughs> single time i i can't stop recommending it to people because although the maharashtrian i get the jokes a little bit more <laughs> um and there's like, another yeah, one so they did for on all the uh, sort of stories. anecdotes that i send sam from this might get i get very 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 regular updates on the internet said so on yeah. a, on an almost daily basis saying listen to listen from this time stamp to this time stamp because the thing is the episodes are voice long. note a, me a, as you wheeze yeah it's a video podcast so it's on youtube it's free etc whatever it's on, i mean it's on all your platforms but i watch it on etc. youtube whatever i watch it on youtube and the thing is it's like 
initially when they started the episodes would be like you know 30 minutes whatever yeah. but as we've gone into lockdown because that's their one job so the episodes yeah. go as long as like an hour and a half easy like an average is yeah. an hour so there are times when i know v doesn't have the attention span to sit and listen to something he's not interested in so i send him time stamps i'm like just from here <laughs> to here please friendship friendship Okay, Veer, what's next on your list? Okay, so next on my list is a podcast called Shut Up, Evan. That's very nice for Evan. <laughs> so it's hosted by Evan Ross Katz and Matt Sturm. Evan Ross Katz, if you don't know, is a writer and a writer slash journalist and a pop culture commentator. And I am obsessed with him. And I'm obsessed with his Instagram. And just please follow it. So a podcast in his words is it's a podcast about gay shit and internet culture. Shut Up Evan is a bi-weekly podcast fusing LGBTQ plus culture, pop culture and internet culture into long form discussions. And it is, I wouldn't say it's funny. It's not funny because the discussions are actually really insightful. Some mm-hmm. of his guests are Law Roach, who is Zendaya stylist, Tavi Gevinson, who was, let's say, one of the original sort of fashion bloggers and or the original people, Tavi one of the original people who sort of... the OG. Yeah, Just... like got that industry off the ground. Olivia Wilde and her sort of directing journey and Shea Coulee, who is one of the coolest drag queens in the world. So if you're into just pop culture and fashion and controversy and just sort of stuff like that, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's really easy to listen to. And yeah. Okay, go. Uh, tell me your last. Okay, so this is one that I've discovered like in the last few months. So the original podcast is called Sentimental Garbage. Mm-hmm. we've um, spoken about this yeah we you and i've spoken about this yeah so it's called sentimental Go- i can't remember if i've spoken about this on the podcast but it's called sentimental garbage it's hosted by author and journalist carolyn carolyn o'donohue who um and the thing is when you click on it on spotify you know how it says oh so and so so and so podcast by so and so so it says sentimental garbage by justice for dumb women <laughs> <laughs> So the whole premise of this whole podcast is that she basically kind of um, pushes away from that thing of, you know, do you ever feel like you're you're not reading the intelligent books that, you know, classify as like quote unquote literature. So it's so she discovers the chiclet classics her guests were raised on from and these are in her words from schmaltzy romances (laughs) to family (laughs) comedies to bodice ripping dramas. Honestly, so that's the, that's the main it. podcast. Okay, now the one I dis- the how I got to this podcast is in the middle of whatever this twenty twenty one fifty seventh wave. Yeah, sentimental in the city was launched, which is a mini series hosted by Carolyn O'Donoghue and Dolly Alderton, whom I love, and they just go through each season of Sex and the City and they've also done both the movies and they do oh, an episode per season right per season so it's not right. like they don't go like episode by episode but so they talk about the whole entire story they talk arc about the whole ent- entire story arc and again there have been times where I have cried in a gym while I'm on like <laughs> running I'm running on the treadmill okay okay maybe it wasn't the best choice to listen to this while I'm running on a treadmill but like there's okay there's you know what Sam honestly it's it's 2021 you do you I mean, I've cried, I've laughed. It's it's just such a fun podcast also, to listen to. I mean, controversial opinion, or maybe not so much, but Sex and the City hasn't aged well at all oh, yeah. in a lot they, of they very key areas. Yeah. So I feel like 
someone making light of of the show but also sort of discussing its impact at the same time is a yeah. really sort of fine balance to strike and from what i have mm-hmm. from the little bit that i've heard in sentimental in the city i think that they manage that really really well yeah they don't they don't sugarcoat anything they will give you both sides the movies, of the story because the second sex in the city movie is the worst most racist thing i've ever seen in my life they refused to talk about the second movie they yeah, didn't we might good briefly fucking discuss, reason. i haven't gotten to that episode yet i've like saved because the thing is i think that's the last episode in the series so You're i'm just like it? i'm rationing it really and the thing is so she said she said well they said they're not going to discuss the second movie in full detail they're just going to like talk a little bit about it and then they spend the entire episode just taking questions from the audience and like fuck this <laughs> it's such a bad movie okay so my last is it's one of my favorite podcasts also, right now also sorry like, last thing i have to say Karen O'Donoghue is irish i love listening to the irish accent so there's also that why i listen to that's smooth little code switch when you said irish oof okay so last is i'm obsessed with this uh It's I think it's one of the few episodes a uh, few podcasts that I genuinely wait for it comes out every Sunday and I genuinely wait for Sunday so I can listen to this. I mean I don't listen to it on Sunday I wait for like Monday morning so I listen mm-hmm. to it when I get to work. Um but it's like a routine for me at this point. It's called Name Three Songs. It's hosted by two women who work in the music industry, Sarah Fagan and Jenna Millian. Mm-hmm. And it's cre- it was created to challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls which is just the coolest thing in the world to me because i i do love sort of podcasts that dive into the music industry and just cuz i'm that weird person who like likes to peek the like i mean peek behind the curtain for every small thing i'm interested in and i love pop music so much and it's such a sort of big passion point for me one thing that i do really really like about this podcast is how well researched it is um so much so that one of their listeners actually sought permission from their professor to use this podcast as an official source for their phd um Can you do that be- because of how well researched ev- every single episode is so some of the episodes are i like i've just listed down a few names so there's episodes about mental health and toxic masculinity in music the importance of boy bands to pop culture and their dark history the many controversies of lana del rey little mix and the pressures of being a girl group it's it's funny they have really insightful people come on board and i think just because of how well researched it is it really draws you in yeah so yeah I name three songs please seek it out i think we've got some great recommendations we'll also put it on our instagram as a carousel so you but can the save podcast it. that you should really listen to is like the tuesday wine club why do you just say it like that why can't you just say it like i had to on to the episode An architect by training, Ira Singh took the event industry by storm in 2020. She's the founder of Delhi-based event curation company F6. Known for her exceptional attention to detail, Sam is highly obsessed with her tablescapes. She's very quickly become the event curator to follow in India. Please raise your glasses and join us as we welcome Ira to the Tuesday Wine Club. Oh, thank you so much, guys. That is so sweet. Cheers to that. And um, yeah, thank you so much. So, getting sort of right into it. Either I know your original intention for F6 pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, because we had met about it, we had spoken about it, 
and it wasn't exactly the direction that you eventually ended up taking. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how you adapted your business model into what it is today? Yeah, definitely. So essentially, I think, um, you know, as you said, initially, after I graduated from architecture, which was in 2019, I um, kind of I always knew that architecture wasn't really something I wanted to pursue, like from maybe third year onwards. And um, I knew that, I mean, I was always interested in like, you know, experiential design, interior design, exhibition design, all of that. So after graduating, I wanted to kind of start this pop-up space, as you said, um, there's this empty space, which we had, or uh, my parents' office, my parents' ex-office space, which I then redesigned, and we were going to do these pop-up events there, which we was going to be on board for as well. So a bunch of these eclectic um, events, so for example, it was going to be like wine and paint nights, uh, music jamming, bunch of stuff. I, wa- I so want to go to a wine and paint night. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> that is something I would be interested in. Oh my in. God, I love that. So hopefully like, you know, when it does actually end up happening, you know, would love to, you know, have you there as well. So yeah, that was the main idea of this entire, like, um, of, of F6 actually initially. And uh, although, so then what happened is in March, we were going to launch it in March 2020, we were going to launch this space. But then of course, you know, because of the pandemic, we couldn't do it, which was at that time, it was the most frustrating thing. Because, you know, we'd been waiting for such a long time. And, um, you know, it had been almost a year since I graduated. And then to kind of have to postpone, Mm -hmm. you know, launching something and, you know, kind of sit idle was super difficult. So then, you know, one day in, this was in June, we were just sitting at like the dining table and um, I was talking to my parents about, you know, what do I do about F6, you know, like we already had that name of F6 because that's the address actually of the event space. So we had that name in place and I was like, how do we kind of launch F6? What do we do? So my mom actually said, why don't you do like virtual events? And because people are still celebrating, that's still going on. That need to celebrate isn't going to die out yet. So we were like, okay, let's do that. And it started with like DIY cocktail kits. You know, I'm not sure if you guys um, know that, but it started through that. And we had like this very, um, you know, very good mixologist on board, Valdan, who was very passionate. He made a bunch of of these very like um, really tasty recipes for cocktails, Kala Khatta cocktail, all this really cool stuff. So we did that. So it was like a mini industry essentially at home where, you know, it was... um, kind of uh, super super exciting because like you know, we were sitting packaging and at that point the markets were all shut so we had to kind of do everything at home diy like painting stuff making like little paper flowers it was very it was a lot, a lot of fun so uh, yeah that's actually how it started and i think that's what really helped us a lot as a business because at that point nobody was doing anything and in terms of celebrations right people wanted to celebrate they wanted to do birthdays, but there was no brand and no real outlet which they could use to celebrate. So I think that um, so almost they sort of bringing so the celebration to them or this boutique experience to them. Right. Directly. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I feel like that was super cool. Like you know, we sent, for example, we we would have like a Zoom call wherein I would we would send everybody like a box each or like a mixology kit. And then we would get onto a Zoom call with me, the mixologist, and all the guests. And then we would tell them, okay, like, you know, mix this into your cocktail. And then, then we'd play like a fun game. Right. So it was like, it was really cute, really fun. And I think that really, I mean, I was really like appreciative of the support everybody gave, um, you know, uh, to help the brand kind of like, you know, build. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like that was really a blessing, which I didn't realize at that point. I didn't know how it was going to scale up. The way F6 evolved wasn't always the intention um the intention was very like i mean we didn't really think that long term i feel when we started like this whole virtual events thing 
so yeah i mean that's essentially how you know we started off that, that was phase 1 i would say of you know um how we really managed to get some attention to a brand because as we all know in any brand like these days in delhi it's difficult to build a brand um you know from scratch because there's so much you know um so much going on like there's so many brands so much you know stuff happening so to get people's attention it isn't um always easy yeah you know i think it's also that people will sort of looking at virtual events as this thing that is a sort of not capable enough replacement of what we know and what we sort of understood mm, as normal yeah. but i feel like what you guys were doing really was the beginning of sort of embracing what a virtual event can be and how it can still be made personable but still be made personalized and um and yeah no i think it was sort of a great sort of pivot because i know how um how different this was from what you had in mind because i remember we were sort of talking about the f6 launch together it was right at the end of march 2020 i think yeah yeah no exactly i mean um definitely it was something which i hadn't envisioned at all like you know when i was doing the virtual event i was like where is the brand going you know because it was so different from the initial idea so i think um yeah that was i think interesting to kind of be in that journey of and it was it was it was good to have to, to like start something which people weren't doing at the same time it was kind of like you know like okay you know what what next i feel you know because at that point we didn't know what yeah. was going to be next in like let's say june and july and then it was only like let's say mm. starting from august that we actually started to um evolve into the next phase i would say and that was very overwhelming at that point because it was something which is totally new to me and you know i mean for anybody like you know who isn't in the industry who i mean like it's not like in my family anyone's really in the business or anything um like what ira was saying about how when you're starting a business and not knowing what's going to happen the next month i think you can uh, as an entrepreneur you can't get better training than this and it's un- yeah. unfortunate that you're getting this training in a pandemic but i think if you if you weathered this like you have i think like i i don't think anything else should frighten you ever no and that's the thing right you set off an event company in a pandemic which is like i at a time when people can't leave their homes to go to events very true yeah <laughs> you know to be honest i feel like we actually grew with the pandemic like yeah. it sounds weird to say but for example let's say if you look at august august was a time when people were meeting maybe two three people yeah, at the same time meeting in bubbles know? and exactly in bubbles and the expectations of events were not very high so that's when we were doing very small setup mm-hmm. and that's when we really started so for example our first actual physical setup was like a little mimosa bar you know which was from my mm-hmm. end it was still daunting for me to do because i hadn't done anything like it before so to very small and then it really started like that and like you know one by one people kind of gained more confidence as they became more comfortable with meeting more people so i feel like that yeah. kind of went hand yeah. in hand like as i got more experience so it just kind of worked out really well you yeah. know so yeah it was definitely important i think gauge like the market and gauge what people's mindset is as well at that point so yeah i think that was something we managed and it was very challenging and there were so many times when you know someone came to me but let's say a movie night the first of everything is always so challenging you know so for example if someone came even as basic as like a small tent setup for example you know wherein like you know because if you haven't done it before you know i'm like okay you sit at home we kind of set it up in my balcony right. kind of so okay like this is how it's looking what do we need how do we add to it and then you evolve it from there you take it forward and then it's about never being complacent as well i feel that was something which i think in any business is so important to do and that's how you end up pushing yourself so much and i think that's how we managed to scale up it was about 
to just like critiquing your own work and saying how can you make this better and just giving it 100%. Yeah, exactly. And never being like, oh, this is cute, this is great and I'm going to stick with this. You know, and we're still never like that. You know, it's about just always saying I can do better and I can be better. So, yeah. No, and I remember seeing that in, in sort of the early days as well. And I mean, I'm continuing to see it in your work today as well. I mean, even now, but I remember seeing you making stuff at home you crafting yeah. and making like yeah. so much from scratch for physical events when even that had sort of started off i remember you experimenting with different styles and it's yeah but i mean i completely agree with what you're saying i think it was sort of a great opportunity to get very very diy mm. in let's say the early stages of your business but that sort of established what you were becoming very yeah. very well very true very true exactly like, i guess it gives you confidence as well to kind of yeah. start in that scale because then you know your price points are also according to what your product is so you start from like a much smaller price point Absolutely. and then you kind of i guess uh, once you get confident in what your what your product is you can you know accordingly scale it which i think is important many brands fail to do that and it's very easy to just uh, price it at something which is very exorbitant and then people can't really see the value in that and I think that's the biggest flaw because if your customer at the end of the day comes to you and feels like they're being ripped off they're not going to come back to you and they're not yeah. going to be satisfied with it so it's always about giving like more than what they pay for I feel that's what we always aim to do you know they pay x amount which might be a lot for them but we end up giving them more than that x amount they're paying they'd be like okay wow I've gotten no and yeah. one thing one thing some people forget is that Okay, you might start at a small price point, but once you get those clients and once you kind of show them the value they're getting yeah. out of that money, over time, if you increase by 5%, by a little bit more, those same clients, like, you don't have to worry, they will stick around because they know how much work you're putting into it. They know how much effort you're putting into it. And I think that's something so many small businesses kind of are afraid of or tend to forget that you can scale up you don't have to start where you want to be at so the true. beginning so true. Yeah. but you know I think you've answered this a little bit but tell me a little bit more about so you went from architecture to sort of experience curation so what inspired this particular niche because not a lot of people think experience experience they sometimes think event planning rather than experience and I think that's so wonderful yeah. so can you tell us a little bit more about so you that? know I think that like ever since I was studying architecture what always fascinated me about it was like the psychology of the person in a space yeah. which is what still happens in any event it's about what are they going through the volume of the space you know it's not like just that three-dimensional aspect of the entire thing which is what interested which is what which is the aspect of architecture which also interested me the aspect of any any design process as such which involves spaces so that's something which I think I always knew was something I wanted to do, which is why the opportunity in this case kind of presented itself to me. I didn't really seek this particular opportunity in terms of designing these events. I never, it was always a dream. I'm not going to lie. It was like, you know, one of those far-fetched dreams, which you see people doing it and you want to do it, but you always think that I don't think I can ever do it, you know, because I guess maybe you don't have the, mm. you haven't studied it and I hadn't studied it. Architecture is a five-year course and I never thought, okay, after architecture, I'm going to do event design, you know, that was never like a thought, but I always went for events, went for weddings and I was like, this is amazing and I wish I could do it. So it just ended up happening somehow. And obviously right now we're still growing and, you know, there's still so much to achieve, but I feel like already just being in that space, um, which is something I think at the end of the day, it's about following your intuition and if I didn't, if I didn't know I would enjoy it, I wouldn't have pushed myself to do it because at that point, 
that transition between the virtual event and the physical event i could have put an end yeah. at that point i could have said this is it i'm ending at the virtual events but i knew i didn't want to so i think that desire to create spaces um is what really want like kind of pushed me to do um you know what f6 is now okay how would you describe the f6 aesthetic oh uh, i guess the f6 aesthetic is in one word i would say eclectic perhaps eclectic yet yeah. minimal maybe but i mean of course it always is a challenge to kind of um you know do something which is in keeping with your client's vision because very often there are all sorts of clients right sure. the same theme for example maybe like a floral theme can be interpreted in so many different ways depending on different clients and their desires like some person someone may want like a less is more approach while someone may want a more is more approach so for me to find that balance between it is always i think a challenge because uh, to give the client what they're looking for but still have that f6 i guess touch in it yeah. so yeah i think eclectic would be like i think one term i would use because we always do try and eclectic and i guess maybe i don't know if edgy is the right word i don't want to say edgy but like you know i mean i just try and do things which are you know still kind of in con- in juxtaposition with looking for i guess i always push my clients to go for kind of bold themes you know like i always pitch bold themes because that really makes you passionate to push the boundaries and really get creative so every event that the events which i personally love the most are the ones which have the or strongest and boldest themes because yeah so i think that would be and i guess that ends up being an eclectic kind of approach because they're all so different but still um unique in their own ways yeah i feel like ida is doing sort of the professional version of what i'm always trying to bully my friends into <laughs> which is which is like what so like basically for every year for my birthday there has to be whether the, whether i'm having a big oh, scene or a small God. scene there has to be a theme <laughs> and I have a reputation for genuinely terrifying my friends into behaving themselves and doing that. something cool <laughs> with the theme. What's the wildest theme you've had till now? So last year. <laughs> yes, we tell us. So tell us what the wildest know. one has been. Okay, so last year, obviously, my birthday is at the end of August. So obviously, this is around the same same time. So there was only about this five. This was last year. This was no, it's twenty nineteen. We twenty twenty. I'm talking about 2020. You did something about 2020? Yes, with five people. Um, you're oh. in Bombay. You couldn't have come anyway. Shut up. <laughs> no, of course not. But I was thinking about the one from 2019. No, 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 no. So. Oh, by the way, for context, Ira, I'm never around for his birthdays because yeah. now I live in a different city or I'm in the UK. So he oh, no he still sends me the invite, oh. and I'm just like, wives, and how cute. Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> Just to like tease you and be no, like, no, he's oh, you're not here for this. Just rub it in your face. I can't face. do anything. Oh no way. <laughs> anyway, okay, no. So last year, I there were I could only call five people, uh, and I was also sort of feeling like I was extending myself um, because of how bad the virus was then as well. Um, but it was essentially a Taylor Swift themed situation, and I spent a bunch of time. working on mood boards so the theme was taylor swift albums and i spent a bunch of time working on mood boards per album giving them songs to listen to music videos to listen He to color palettes that's insane that's people. insane my mother was just like please calm the fuck down f6 is taking inspiration for their next event um through from your birthday for 2020 the taylor swift is 
it's going to be a mood board yeah yeah send me the mood board i would love to like yeah that so, sounds yeah. amazing i love that you're sort of encouraging your clients to go for bold themes because i'm yeah that's a very unique theme i mean no one's ever come me, to me with I, that i'm oh, i we will, will be your client we will we will, we will. <laughs> you will <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait i'm going to think start, maybe like, maybe next year if we now. actually get get to next year with like more seasons we can do like a tuesday wine club anniversary yeah. and it's all taylor swift themed that would be amazing oh, yeah God, i'm thinking about it Okay, Amazing. so since we're talking about things like <laughs> mood boards and stuff, so when you're creating these sort of elements for an event, I'm just taking tablescapes as an example because I am obsessed mm. with the tablescapes you've been making. I've been stalking on Instagram. So, how much weight do you give to your Instagram feed when you're making those decisions? Like, for example, do you when you're preparing something, do you already think in mind that okay, how will this photograph? Because then you can use it to then further promote. Does that ever come into yeah, consideration? I do, I do, I do for sure. I do think about it a lot because I feel like for for many reasons. One would be, I guess, even from the client's perspective, because even for them, that that aspect of it being photographable is also very important. They want it to look good on Instagram. all of that you know so that is important and also of course to my grid because at the end of the day yeah. instagram is my portfolio that's how people see us that's how they come and so yeah i mean instagram really makes a big difference for sure and um, it is fun i mean tablescapes i feel are something which i always didn't give enough mm. i guess importance to in terms of how difficult it is to actually create and the number of layers there are in a tablescape and those small details and how all of that comes together to create something yeah. even if it this is smallest of elements you know the napkins the type of cutlery you're using the vases you know just all of that and how to layer it up and i'm still like still perfecting that art of like making tablescapes and so we're going to be doing like a tutorial soon actually like i did this poll on instagram just a few days back which was about you know what do people want to see right now considering the fact that we're mm. not really you know doing anything posting any content So many people seem to want to do tablescapes. We're going to actually collaborate with some brands and um, you know do a do a fun. I can hear Sam's excitement in Delhi. She's in Bombay, but I can hear the excitement in Delhi. <laughs> can you see a little thought bubble just going? Oh, yeah, oh my, my god, god, I love yes. it. <laughs> I hope yeah I hope it comes Listen, out. Listen whatever well. comes out I will be there watching like scrolling scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's made my day. That's made my day. <laughs> we and I spoken we were we and I were talking about this like before we sent you the invite and of course we were like you know checking out your work and stuff mm-hmm. and I was telling him I said you know yeah. it's so nice to see someone paying so much attention to detail like you're saying that you know very often when you see Uh, I keep coming back to tablescapes because that's my my favorite example for everything at this point. But you know, you see so many people kind of neglect it almost. They think about all your like flowers and this and that. And I'm like, but where you sit, yeah. where you where you're having a meal, that's why your group shots are going to be like even from a like you know from from a photo- photographic perspective. That's not a that's not a thing, right? That's not a thing. Photograph perspective. No, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so nice to see someone. in this space actually and more than anything for me it's that you're bringing sort of almost like an international luxury appeal to something people won't consider or people would not would some people might think it's out of their reach but i i i just can't think stop think, talking about it or thinking about it like i'm yeah. fan girl thank you thank you but i feel like yeah that yeah honestly this is maybe making me so happy to just like talk to you about it but i think what you said about like being out of someone's reach i think that is like a point which i guess builds anyone's brand because you do have to have a niche a specific clientele and for a brand to be successful yeah. it has to be aspirational people have to aspire to come to you and you know want you know your work to so yeah i think that does kind of you know work in our favor and um 
just kind of pushing boundaries and yeah tablescapes are so important also because when someone is sitting at the table that's all they're seeing like the whole experience yeah. the rest of the and night and i think that's where that. the maximum interaction so between people also fun. happens in that environment exactly and i feel like um i mean we did have some this insane tablescape um this like event which we were going to be doing and i'm not going to talk about it too much because it might sure, happen sure. soon but it's it was a crazy i mean i don't want to like ruin the surprise for everybody but like when we actually post about it but it was just a, i mean because of this whole lockdown it got cancelled it was an alice in wonderland theme i feel like there's so much potential with that theme always can you see the third thought bubble just coming up here and me screaming yeah. internally <laughs> yeah I know exactly. I mean, honestly, when my client came to me with that theme, I was like, "Yes, I want to do it." I was like, "I don't care," and that's another point which I feel like with some events, not this Alice in Wonderland in particular, but with some other themes, very often clients come to you, and sometimes, you know, I end up even running losses in my events because I'm like, it just like Winter Wonderland, yeah. for example, was a big loss because you know it was like you know because we just wanted to put in a hundred percent, like you know, a lot of the props we had, we got them made, and it wasn't you know sometimes. Uh, a client wouldn't have a specific yeah. budget for like a small event right i mean if you're doing like you know like a birthday or something sort of wedding so your budget isn't that much so then we really went out of like you know um like yeah we really went um you know all out for it and many other events so yeah alice in wonderland such a fun theme the whole the whole yeah what it represents i think is exactly what i think any event planner always aims to do like you know just kind of getting creative getting whimsical doing super crazy things you know it's any like i guess creative person's dream even yeah. from a fashion perspective oh, i suppose you know um you can take it in so many directions okay so you've already almost sort of led us into this question but talk us through sort of the creative process from when a client approaches you to say the final fa- executed event setup right okay so i guess um that i can break down into like different aspects and different things and different points which we focus on so one would be the, the context of the event the immediate context what do we have to use like what are the surroundings of the event where is yeah. it located is it outdoors indoors all of that and also what the theme of the event is very often um for example we did this one roka which was located in, yeah. in this little courtyard which was the most beautiful courtyard this architect the client designed it herself and so for that we did something very minimal because we wanted to highlight the context and not really overshadow it while sometimes what happens is the context maybe it's at someone's house and the interiors don't match with the decor then you have to accordingly you know change it but still not make it look too forced so i guess that context would be one point second point i think would be the client's um kind of overall taste because it's very important for me always to understand where they're coming from you know what kind of pe- what kind of people are they what kind of aesthetic do they have so that i can accordingly kind of mold i mean of course i still have my own creative inputs but still give it that yeah. specific direction Adapt to you them. know is it super over the top is it minimal exactly so that is one other aspect then my own i think creativity wherein like you know you'd sit and really brainstorm about the plan of the space which i think that's where architecture comes into place a lot because into play wherein i sit and i maybe draft out plans you know do all of those things and really like have that um 3d vision in my mind of what the space is really going to end up looking like and i think lastly it would be the manufacturing the sourcing all mm-hmm. of those things and how is it actually coming to life so i think that yeah that's kind of the element and then of course setting it up on the day of the event or the day before the event so i think those are broadly those are the kind of things which um yeah and the theme i think would be a yeah. secondary thing maybe somewhere in the middle which would be um either 
it's it happens both ways sometimes the client doesn't really have anything specific in mind and they ask me to suggest certain themes in which case i have a bunch of like mood boards which i've just curated themes that i love and i send it to them and then they kind of tell me uh, which one appeals to them the most and that that itself tells me a lot about what they like and um or they have their own theme in which case i have to then mm. make a mood board accordingly so i have a curiosity question so i was telling veer this uh, mm-hmm. again before we were recording that you know when i was probably like i don't know 15 again same thing i wanted to get into event planning and stuff but of course it never it never happened but i think because i st- like i used to throw christmas parties and i used to have so much fun doing oh my god like, to get into event <laughs> so you know how um like all the props that you need to put up these events like how does it work in the sense that do you do you as a company have stock of all these props or do you buy specifically for an event or is do you what your clients already have because it's always baffled me that you know these events come up with such um such like cool things and like these little vases and this and that and I'm like do you have these already do you get them from some do you return them after like how does it work <laughs> I know what you mean yeah but that yeah I know what you mean I feel like so many of us do go through that phase of like you know you want to like that just that DIY phase you know where you want to kind of put it together yourself but anyway in, in um in response to your question so to be honest it's a mix of all of what you mentioned so there's a lot of mm. sourcing so for example that will be you know from market in delhi you know you go to different markets you know maybe like lakhpat nagar wherever you know it's sometimes it's high end stores sometimes it's just literally like you know off the road you can go to like i don't know kirti nagar market mg road you know you just find stuff that mm. takes a long yeah, time yeah and luckily for sure. delhi has so many thing. places that you can find these things yeah. easily Yeah, exactly, exactly. So finding that then secondly would be I guess manufacturing and sourcing, I mean manufacturing it yourself. So that I think also is very important and I think that does give us a bit of like an edge over other people because we do because I think many of those props aren't readily available and as a brand it's important otherwise to to get the image that you want to create so you sometimes need to kind of get it done on your own you need to get it customized otherwise it doesn't end up you know looking the way you want it to so a lot of the you know let's say tables we have manufactured a few tables we have got like metal structures you know like arches things like that and honestly a lot of stuff so we have manufactured we've sourced and we do rent as well so renting chairs and from like tent houses and things you know sometimes we rent yeah. the larger structures whenever events need them we do rent them but we have manufactured a lot of which has taken a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of investment um in mm-hmm. into the business reinvestment i would say not so much fresh investment because of the way we scaled up i was able to reinvest a lot back into the business so um so we have made so now actually how we started it's quite um of like a fun story i guess in terms of the props so we uh, have like these two houses next to each other so one of them we you know um so one of them is where we it was actually like our warehouse which for like the whole the, the whole of the first year i mean the whole of the first six months i would say the yeah. whole house was full of props because we kept buying stuff sourcing stuff and it was a mess you know my dad was like you know just get this sorted out you know like this is just not okay so then we eventually moved into a warehouse wherein now you know we have all of our stuff stored so yeah it was uh, that's i guess about the sourcing and no that's a great that. peek behind the curtain for me because this is something i'm so curious about it where does this stuff come from and where does it go <laughs> at the end of this i'm sure th- uh, every sort of storage based warehouse also has its own sort of system of organization but i have mm. this thing in mind of walking into say the f6 storage thing and then just seeing all of these alice in wonderland props everywhere <laughs> and it's 
It just sounds like a very exciting experience Honestly, of its own, on its own. Yeah, on a, yeah, exactly. I feel like there are some props which are exciting to look at, but there are some very boring props as well, which are the structure of you know yeah. what comes over them. You know, like the arches, that just the framework, the metal poles, and all of that, which looks like nothing on earth, but they really form the basis of what of, event eventually you know, becomes the event. Yeah, and I feel like. Yeah, and I'm still learning a lot about, you know, sourcing. Sometimes I do look at, like, you know, very big mm-hmm. wedding companies and I do wonder how did they manufacture this. So I think that ends up being, like, a USP for any, like, design company in, in any field, I guess. You know, whether it's architecture, fashion design, whatever. That manufacturing is an art which you end up uh, kind of, you know, understanding better and better as you grow in the mm-hmm. industry. So, yeah, as we go along, I guess we'll get better at our manufacturing and sourcing. Okay, so speaking of events, what are some of your favorite projects to work on and what are some that challenge you the most? So, any event types or anything? So, in terms of what challenged me, um, I, I guess like one fun, fun at that point was very stressful, but one story would be the most, I guess, challenging experience for me till date would be so there's this one day so very often we have back-to-back events where it's like you know two days which is always that's always challenging because you have to prep the uh, inventory the 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 loading of stuff all of that like days in advance because you know then let's say I have one event on friday and saturday the saturday event the, the props will go on friday so and yeah. the friday so on and so forth so essentially you need to re- be really well mm-hmm. planned for those instances so I had an event uh, at the Oberoi, which was like a, it was an anniversary. So but there, anyway, for that event, that was the first time I was doing an event at a, at a five-star hotel. So I didn't really know the process of entering, you know, you have to have all these lists ready. There's a bunch of stuff you need, which I didn't know about at that point. Anyway, so it took me about three hours to even enter the gates, which was ages. And I'm like already stressed out. I'm like, you know, uh, we have to start assembling the event, all of that. And we're doing it. It's all coming together. And I get this message from my client. From the mm. next day and she says i hope i hope things are going well and i hope everything will be ready on time and i was like the event is tomorrow and she said no it's today and this was at 12 p.m Stop. now so i was just like no way no way you know so anyway it was i went to our messages and from my end we were clear in terms of the dates and all but i guess you know maybe she had a lot going on and she just got maybe a little confused so somehow or the other, we just managed to kind of, my florist was with me. I said, listen, can you source flowers somehow right now? Even though the market is shut, he managed to do that. And we just somehow put that event together in like five hours. It was crazy. It was just crazy. So that was, I guess, one challenging, very challenging situation. And so, yeah, in answer to your, in, in answer to your question about challenging events, these back-to-back events are always very, very difficult to, you know, handle. And especially because we get that short yeah. time frame to plan them. Very often clients call you up two days in advance. <laughs> I've had someone call me up like today and tomorrow's the event and we've done it. So it's like it, it gets really People crazy. So so that's challenging. Who does that? It, it is, exactly. People really are. People can be super. And I really wonder like what were you thinking? I mean, you're lucky yeah. I'm doing but it. But also like my question is how are you doing? Are you okay? How's your stress right now? Yeah. No, you know, at that point, like, I was, I, 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 I can't tell you how stressful yeah. it is because, you know, it was literally like sleepless nights. I used to wake up at like four o'clock. My mom helps me a lot, actually, with um, a lot of, a lot of the back of end work, back end work. And uh, so, yeah, so waking up at four o'clock in the morning sometimes in the winters when our team was very small, it was like I used to be on site till like 4 a.m. just overseeing me alone, literally, just overseeing the florist. So there's so much that goes into, you know, these events, but you don't really realize. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think 
ब्रंचिंग एंड ऑल्सो यार लाइक ब्रांचेज आई थिंक वो ऑल्सो भी वेरी चैलेंजिंग विच पीपल डोंट रियलाइज विंटर ब्रांचेज आर वेरी डिफिकल्ट बिकॉज दैट मीन्स यू टू सेटिंग अप इन द नाइट बिफोर बी अप इन द कोल्ड ओवर सी एवरी थिंग एंड यू कॉन्ट सेट अप इन द मॉर्निंग सो विंटर ब्रांचेज आर रियली लाइक there 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 a nightmare so so the pricing accordingly and okay winter branch like you know yeah and then i guess in terms of events which um i enjoy doing are again i think the ones which which as we had like spoken about earlier are the ones where the themes are just the most fun to work with different themes because i think that's what pushes you as a designer which is why i'm even doing mm-hmm. any of this you know to just get creative and you know go crazy create something which people haven't seen before yeah so, i know yeah. i mean I have yeah. known you for like ever, and I do know the, how sort of motivated you are by experiences in general, and how many sort of experiences you seek out for yourself in general, as well. Especially before the pandemic, when so much stuff was open. Um. So in you know in my head, it's just such a natural segue for you to sort of move into this industry, um, because yeah. you're. I mean, you're the person who is sort of always immersing themselves in experiences. Yeah, so true. I mean, I guess yeah. I never looked at it that way, but yeah, that's like a very yeah, very true. Okay, so um, tell me what yeah. comes to your mind when we say the following words. Yeah, we're moving on to the fun questions. Yeah. Okay. Number one, design. Creativity. I don't know. I'm being boring. Okay. No, no, like... no. You can be. Bo- you can be no, as boring or interesting as you want. It's fine. It's quite want. impulsive. Don't worry. Okay. So creativity. Yeah. I mean, yeah? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What about experience? F six like yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but experience I think on a on a deeper level experience I would say team lab team lab is like when I think of what I want to be like it's like in I don't know if you've seen the stuff they do but that was I think one of the most inspirational things for me yeah. they have like in in there in Japan and they have this just the most amazing my mind was blown after I went there it was like this immersive digital experience basically where. It's like the walls are like they have projections on them. You're walking through like a LED rainforest. It was like I didn't feel like I was living on Earth. I thought I was like I don't know on like Mars or I don't know where, but like Sounds not on Earth. Sounds damn cool. Yeah. So that I guess experiences F six, but also Team Lab. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And future. I don't know. That's a tough one. I guess that kind of shows how, I guess you know. I'm certain I am about where F6 is going to go. Just say F6 again. Just say F6 again. F6. Yeah, okay, future F6. No, but I mean because there's so many directions I want to take it in it's very difficult to tell you in sure. one word. So, I guess future I guess it would be aspirational, it would be like scaling up, it would be pushing myself like you know all of those things. I think things, aspirational like, is a good one. It's a, it's it's not something we've heard before, like in the we ask So we ask most of our guests this, like oh really? Th- we use okay. the word future for most of our guests, but aspiration is not something I've heard once. So I think it's damn unique. Um, okay, speaking of experiences, what are some experiences on your bucket list? In terms of what I want to experience as like a yeah okay, um, I guess it would be really kind of I mean F six related or just as a person anything just, no 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 whatever what world is your oyster what are some experiences you want to like visit or experience I guess honestly like at this point like you know my brain is so like one track and it's all F six related so it would be yeah. really I guess taking F six like you know globally and making F six into like a brand 
which is about um you know even like which is about maybe like window display designs about pop ups is about you know all of that so it's about creating you know those kind of experiences and um, yeah just creating that holistic brand of creativity and you know yeah so i guess that would be maybe what i want to experience as a designer yeah just that yeah just that Again, yeah side note because i've been doing this today uh if you're into window displays or if you want to look into it there's someone called Linda Fargo okay. and she does um she's the senior vice president of i think store i did store presentation or something and she's done over a thousand window designs for no Bergdorf Goodman in New York she's got two books they're like coffee table books but they've got like proper pictures of all the windows she's done no way i'm going to ask you for its name again yeah absolutely oh no it's in, it's on my thing so okay, if okay. anybody's listening so when she felt plugs small self plug the luxury convention is just posted a little snippet about linda fargo on our feed so just go check that out shameless self plug <laughs> that's so exciting no yeah super cool i would definitely want to look into that but yeah i guess yeah, experiences really cool. yeah it would be that and i think experiences i don't really have very like you know like a lot kind of in terms of what i want to experience i think it's just what you know about about travel it's about just yeah. you know uh, exposing yourself to you know different cultures about Hmm. you know growing as a designer you know whatever that may mean in terms of experiences you know it might be going to a space which is just so inspiring might be going to like you know maybe like some place in like vietnam or i don't know just some some small you know uh, country or some small city yeah. somewhere a small village which is just so inspiring which is you know i think um, what i can yeah what i would just love to experience yeah. okay our final question with sam has been shitting on me for for like the last 24 hours because it um, oh my god you know i'm editing this right shut up um, okay <laughs> so would you rather jump out of an airplane or would you rather swim with sharks jump out of an airplane okay but why uh because it's like a lot more exhilarating and when i'm swimming with sharks i feel like it's like a constant you know i mean you 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 there you're swimming with them i can see them around me while jumping out of an airplane i think just that experience of being on top of the world and having that yeah. view from there i'm alone it's i guess there's some level of peacefulness and calm to it in some at some level where swimming with sharks would really like my anxiety would be like through the roof i'd just be like you know yeah like, i think because also when you're swimming with sharks when you're underwater there's one sense that's taken away from you right because like i don't think you hear much yeah. underwater so that you don't have any sense of sound and you can see sharks literally coming at you and there's nothing you can do and you have to stay there but like you're saying when you're jumping out of an airplane it's like an impulse thing yeah. you drop and that's it yeah yeah now you just have to wait to land you yeah. drop and that's yeah. it you drop and you open a parachute Yeah, but okay. So when Veer and I were talking about this, I was telling him I was like, "Listen, either say skydiving or like you know swimming with sharks." He said, "No, let's do jump out of plane." I said, "We jump out of a plane sounds very death-like. Please understand." But I guess he wants that impact of death-like because like swimming with sharks is also yeah. death-like and like yeah. Thank you. Because otherwise, if you say skydiving and swimming with sharks, everyone will say skydiving. I mean, because it sounds yeah. like a safer yeah. option outside yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah, their exactly. own feelings are about it. Yeah, no, 
yeah it's talking about f6 and yeah hopefully we can do like a fun collab yes. soon like you know i mean like a tuesday wine yeah. club and f6 we can do a uh, tuesday wine club for sure place. yeah <laughs> that's, that's actually a, a fantastic idea, idea. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Tuesday Wine Club. You can find Ira and Ira's work linked below in the show notes and you can go follow her on Instagram. Please do. Remember to follow us on Instagram at the Tuesday Wine Club. Veer and my personal handles can be found on the same account, so please do feel free to come stalk our profiles. We love the extra engagement. Tune in again next week for a new episode of the Tuesday Wine Club. Until then, please stay safe.